Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern-day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Proteam. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from, and what drives them forward. Charles is founder of Arena, a platform designed to help you create your own visual space on the internet. Launched over 10 years ago, it certainly follows our good growth methodology of quality over speed or scale. Other than some nostalgic dot-com tangents, we discuss all things visual, crypto, and community. This was recorded over Zoom, so apologies for the audio quality. Charles, welcome to Stories of Growth. Uh, Great to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, big fans of what you're doing with Arena. Um, so why don't we start with just a little introduction to what Arena is for those who might not have uh, discovered you yet. Uh, and, you know, just a, a bit of an overview about what you've been up to recently. Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Our official tagline for Arena is it's a platform for connecting ideas and building knowledge. Um, I always am like chuckling when I say that because I would never... I, I always have to use the preface of like, this is our official tagline because I don't normally say that in a normal conversation. What's your version of the tagline then? I mean, I'm like rolling my eyes right now, but I usually just lean on, it's like a nerdy Pinterest or, you know, use Pinterest as sort of like a stepping stone into helping someone get the idea of what it is. But it's it's basically a place where you can, you it's kind of a personal tool first. You can organize the sort of like bits of information that you find in your life or online or both um, images, text, links, files, all that sort of thing. And you can make them into these things called channels, which are essentially like folders. Um, and those can be public or private. And then there's a sort of like very light social part of Arena where if you're the, the stuff that you're working on is public, other people can come along and connect certain bits of, of things that you've saved to their own channels. And so there, it's sort of there's this very slow, organic network of information that, that comes from people just sort of contextualizing the, the, the pieces of information that they find online. Um, yeah. It's extremely open-ended, which means it's always pretty hard to explain. And we've been working on it for about 10 years. And I I really still don't have the like quick explanation elevator pitch down. Um, But yeah, that that sort of at least gives you like a sort of hint at what the kind of thing that happens there. 10 years? I didn't realize it was that that long in the, uh, the incarnation. Yeah, 10 years. So, well, yeah, the, the domain name has been registered for 10 years. The site itself is, is ever so slightly older than that. But yeah, we've been working on it for quite a while. That's great. And you know, what was that inception? Like, What was that itch you were looking to scratch that? you know that function that wasn't really out there and you know and also casting back 10 years ago that the internet was a very different 
landscape back then to what it is now yeah yeah definitely um so i my background uh is in art prior to starting arena i had just graduated from uh from school at parsons and i was sort of hell-bent on having a career as an artist i was mostly making work that was online and i had found a sort of like community of people who were also making work online and one of the primary ways that we found each other is through a platform called delicious um which probably no one remembers at this point but it was the first social bookmarking website and essentially all you did was just instead of saving bookmarks to uh, your browser you would just save them to delicious and you would have this sort of like chronological reverse chronological timeline of every bookmark that you saved um you could also go and see the other people that saved that link so you know if it's like a huge news story or something it'll be like thousands of people who also saved it but it was, if it's something very specific and around that time to you know 15 years ago when you're surfing on the internet things were it was much easier to have the attention span to find like wild interesting things yeah i remember delicious like what happened oh, to delicious did? yeah yeah i'm i'm well where i mean it was amazing like because it was a curated it was the create the curated internet uh and yeah and you got into a rich vein i mean that was a rabbit hole the you know before rabbit holes exactly yeah and so yahoo bought delicious in i think it was like 2000 must have been 2007 or 2008 something like that um and even before they did anything at all the general vibe was just kind of like we're done like like for the people who were using it it was just like okay well it's over now like there wasn't even any inkling of change that happened it was just like everyone had sort of collectively decided it was done um but then of course like yahoo just killed it like they do all other companies that they've ever acquired so at the time uh, some of my friends were one friend in particular was like very serious about creating a sort of alternative to delicious um, that we that was sort of more suited to our small community of people who were doing research or what we called research online um, sort of like the work behind the work you know what i mean if you're sort of making work online then you have these little moments that are like keyframes that lead up to sort of making the work and being able to look at someone's sort of like delicious account and see like, oh, okay, I see what you were looking at. That those things that sort of led up to it is a really nice part of it, a really nice dimension to add to to that community. Like digital breadcrumbs. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly, 100%. Um, so my friend, his name is John Michael Bowling, for like at least two years was kept telling me like, we're going to make this platform, you know, and it was just, I guess that was like the height of web 2.0. And I was just in my mind, I was like, startups are corny, like all this stuff is corny. I don't want anything to do with it. Like, we're not going to be like rich internet people. That sounds terrible. Um, but then he slowly, he really like incepted me. And we ended up, I mean, there's like no, it's 10 years. There's no way to tell this story that's like short, but uh, he ended up meeting someone through a family who essentially wanted to fund a project exactly like the thing that he had been thinking about. 
Um, and so we had the opportunity to work on it full time and we took the opportunity. And then a couple of years in, uh, the person who was funding it decided that he didn't want to work on it anymore. Um, and so instead of firing us, he just gave us the company. And uh, I don't think any of us like imagined that we would be running a company, you know? So it took a little bit of time, I think, for us to decide like, okay, actually, this is something that we really want to do and like devote a ton of time to. And John Muckla at that point, I think, had just decided that he wanted to do something else completely. And I said, well, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, then I will, I'll take it. <laughs> and so that's what happened. <laughs> uh, that's like incredibly uh, shorthand version of what happened, but that's essentially, yeah, that was probably, I guess, seven years ago or six years ago or something. Um, so before before he decided or before our, the the person who was funding Arena decided to walk away, we had this sort of like very I don't know if it's like a low or high bar, but our bar was essentially to get our very picky friends to use it without it being a favor to us. And before this person walked away, I feel like we got to that point with like maybe a handful or a couple handfuls of people. Um, people in our own small community. So when when we when we took over the company, we had like I'm talking maybe in the hundreds of people, like less than 500 people using it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's exaggerating. Less than a thousand. And I think there was no there was no um, <laughs> there was nothing that would have signaled that we had enough on our hands to like that you know that this was going to be a thing. But it was just something that was particularly interesting to us because of our own relationship to like our past with Delicious or our, our relationship to sort of like being engaged in that way with content on the internet. And um, yeah, that, those kind of two things, like having our picky friends use it and it being a, a subject that was generally interesting was just like enough to, to keep going. That's great. And I mean, give me some, like, some, some more numbers on that in terms of yeah, maybe it's not, it's not always about headcount and size of team, but you know, mm. what did that business look like from that first sort of funded seed, however you wanted to find it, um, you know, to you taking it over to you know where it is today? Yeah, so we had at that time when when we took it over and uh, and formed like a new company to uh, inherit the intellectual property rights. Um, there was three people. Um, myself, Daniel Pianetti, and Chris Sharon. And um, yeah, there was probably a couple thousand people who were registered, I'd say in the hundreds of people who are actually using it. Now, <laughs> we've sort of gone up and down because uh, we did, at, at a certain point, we did a crowdfunding round and we had more like available resources. There's a couple points at which we like went up and down in terms of headcount, but two years after we formed a new company and sort of took it over on our own, we took on another co-founder who joined, who like invested a little bit uh, in the company and joined as a team member. Um, his name is Chris Barley. And then maybe six months after that, we did a crowdfunding round on, on Republic and that um, we raised 
$270,000 from mostly people who were within our community at that point um, and still are. Um, and so at that point, we had enough to bring on more developers and uh, increase our headcount. So we were maybe about seven people then, and then now we're back to like two people full-time and a handful of people who are working part-time. Yeah, okay. And then in terms of the actual platform numbers? Yeah, so uh, we have about 200,000 people uh, registered in terms of monthly active, and we are sort of very, like, um, we're very specific about how we define what's active. Um, it's about 20,000 people. And then let's see, actually, I can check. <laughs> uh, we have about maybe 6,000 people, a little less, a little more, who are um, who are paying members. Mm. And that's where all of our source of income comes from. Interesting. And it's a really interesting route. And I think the similar stories through that, uh, I mean, journey, you know, that, that route from, you know, 10 years ago in the internet, <laughs> which is a long time in internet yeah. years. Uh, it's a hundred years. <laughs> uh, there's a great book. If you haven't read it, Scott Belsky's, uh, the messy middle, um, mm, yeah. which, uh, you know, tells, the un like the definitely not re recognized story of the weird bit between you know initial raise or you know not even raise just bootstrap startup to a potential exit or even just a scale up and all the weird and it is weird uh you know decisions and pivots and you know it's messy and it's it's a really good read for any anybody who's sort of on that journey and the post excitement or anything else um so I sympathize, <laughs> uh, but you're still there and it's great. And I think from a, a resilience to like, to the cause, to the purpose, but equally, and I, the question really to me, or oh, there's two here, actually, one was that crowdfund raise and the relationship, because I've heard some very good stories about crowdfund raise and some equally, I mean, actually pretty balanced like about in the same number you know bad stories um so we'd love to hear a bit more about how you approach that and also how you maintain that um and mm -hmm. then secondly on to your current funding model and, and your relationship because it's something that i'm fascinated by as we move into web 3 from web 2 and really how mm -hmm. some of those dynamics of pay platforms are changing so i mean let's start with the crowdfunding uh, piece and your experience through that yeah, so um, I think coming to the sort of decision, uh, like, so Chris Barley invested a little bit of money. We were able to um, hire one more person to help us with engineering. And then the question is like, you know, how do we continue keeping like all of us working on this full time? And we floated a number of different um, scenarios and um one of which we already sort of had this premium subscription thing that was going but the the revenue wasn't it wasn't enough to sustain us it was sort of barely enough to cover our infrastructure costs um and you know so so one part of it was like well maybe we can just like um really go hard on subscriptions 
and then another one was crowdfunding and then another around that time is actually when um people were doing icos so i don't think we really none of us were really like even remotely considering that just from a like personal aesthetics preferences kind of thing um but yeah the, the crowdfunding option was definitely the most scary um but i think it was also an opportunity to sort of get other people um we already had this community of people on arena who were sort of like incredibly supportive and enthusiastic and like willing to offer help not just like in terms of money but in terms of expertise and i mean there's so many smart people on there so anyways it was a chance to sort of like engage with that side of our community in a, a little bit more of an official way um so a republic was one of the few uh crowdfunding platforms that was around at that time and um it was a long process of like putting it together and deciding the kind of language and deciding like uh what we're sort of talking about is like what the future of arena looks like and i think that was actually an interesting moment because in any kind of conversation with an, an investors or in the crowdfunding thing or, or anything we're never sort of like the the two typical paths for startups like us in terms of exit events are uh getting acquired by another company or going public and we're both i mean going public is maybe like i don't know the way that people are doing it now and maybe seems like a little bit more feasible but getting acquired is just like not something that we're I, like we wouldn't even consider it we basically want this to be like one of those 100 year old companies you know what i mean like it has the we feel like it has that sort of like capacity to be just like really long running and it doesn't have to be this kind of you know hyper growth just like sell it it can be something that's more like you said resilient long long running and sustainable so doing a crowdfunding campaign also comes with that uh question you know uh if you're not sort of directly in the community um like what are, what are you getting out of this um and i think for us it's still a question but we're basically saying like what we want to do is provide our our investors with an alternative form of liquidity basically like dividends or something like that um so anyway sorry i'm digressing a little bit but um launching it was incredibly scary we were really nervous it's like obviously you know um if you fail you fail really badly and you're failing in a very public way um but we were very very i think our our like um our goal was like another 100,000 or something i think that was like our wildest <laughs> imagination um but yeah our the, the people who are sort of very supportive of us are just like i don't yeah, it's hard to like find the words to describe like how supportive they are and how much it means towards our ability to like keep pushing, you know. I think the word you're looking for is love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wait, how much did you raise in your crowdfund? 
270,000, which, you know, I mean, that's amazing. If your if your expectation was a hundred grand tops and you, know, yeah. you almost tripled it. Yeah. And I know, and we're sort of like fully aware that in terms of like startups raising money, that is like almost nothing. And no, people wouldn't even consider that like a seed round, but to, you know, but it's the point about, yeah, who you, who you've raised that from, and uh, yeah, exactly. and to me the yeah. questions here, uh, yeah, around community and around relationships exactly. and around yeah. love, <laughs> in whichever way yeah. you want to define it, um, <laughs> that really define and underpin a successful, I mean, business, I mean, brand, like any form of organization, uh, yeah, if it's outside of the core team, yeah, and you there's a, re a reliance on that relationship. Yeah, that's a, that's an important thing to really understand and to nurture. Um, and you know, yeah, that's really the ultimate question of asking them to put their hands in their pocket and, you know, <laughs> give you some money. I mean, there's a return, obviously, in terms of however you structured it from the raise, whether it's equity or dividend or whatever mm -hmm. that is. But um, I know I, I love that approach and that transparency and that honesty of, you know, the long game and, uh, you know, sustainable growth versus hockey stick growth. Um, and I know I, 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 I totally get it. And, and would be good maybe segueing that into, uh, you know, 10 years ago, payment premium, that was new, right? That wasn't mm -hmm. paywalls and subscriptions, yeah, I know. I know Patreon, you know, was early in that game, but only more recently become, I mean, shall we say, acceptable in a consumer yeah. behavior, which it feels it is. Uh, but be good to get your view on that category, if we can call it, of the Substacks and the Patreons. Uh, firstly, and then secondly, where you see that going uh, in terms of, I mean, it is. It's Web three, and you know, beyond pay into you know the chain uh and right where that value exchange is defined and ultimately uh you know quantified yeah it's a, i mean it's a good question i think for us it's a little it's it's funny because arena is it's it's both a tool that is useful without any sort of social part to it um, but it's also a, a social network or there's some social network parts of it. So in our mind, like, because, <laughs> because it has both of those aspects, it is sort of like a social network that is justifiable, justifiably has a subscription model. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if Twitter were to just be like, like it's $10 a month, maybe some people would do it, but it's a little bit less of a, it's a little bit less of a of a clear transaction because what you're getting out of Twitter is a network. There's no like you can't really use Twitter alone, or maybe you could, but it's I don't know. It'd be strange. Um, so comparing that to something like Patreon or Substack or something where the the mindset really is you're going to be supporting this person, you feel like you like this single person what they're doing, and you want to be supportive of of the thing that they're doing is slightly different than than something like uh, Arena, but it's not totally dissimilar because I think some people definitely will pay the subscription price just because they feel like they want to support us. Um, so we're, we're a little bit in the middle there. Um, in terms of where it's going, I don't know. I feel like 
I feel a little bit not worried for Substack. <laughs> I'm not worried for them, but I worry that people that there's going to be a sort of like um, exhaustion that comes from doing too many. You know what I mean? Like I already have. I, I definitely pay for for multiple Substacks, and I think just it's the, it's the same thing that I feel like we have been talking about with Arena for 10 years, which is just like, there's an excess of information and a deficit of attention to be paid towards it collectively and personally, mm. you know? And I think, yeah, it takes a lot of patience to like really pay attention to a lot of the content that is being produced right now. You know what I mean? And that stuff requires like real patience. Like people are writing amazing things on Substack, but I don't know, like it's, I don't know. Yeah, th there's some, there's a lot of mismatch between what is required to really consume that content and uh, what is actually there. So that uh, that's the sort of like dynamic that I, I I'm not, it's not worry. It's just like curiosity, what will happen. Yeah, it feels oh, not quite peak patreon um but uh, yeah i think we're getting close and even just you know, one of our recent reports that we re we released looking at new platforms and you know and we featured you guys uh in our influence report alongside uh, you know, a number of the other platforms that are you know challenging the models or payment models or creator economy models that are uh, enabling creators to you know generate revenues and really understand and recognizing like a direct relationship with your readers or, or, or viewers, whether it's from, you know, only fans to Twitch um, and, you know, everything else in the middle. Um, but <laughs> you've only got so much spare cash every month and uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And, you know, where does that, where does that stop? And, and, and I think you're right. It's, it's, a, it's, there is a clear distinction between, you know, patreons or substacks that you subscribe to for one of i mean being a patron uh to support in in the truest definition of patronage uh but also ones you want to subscribe to because the content is phenomenal uh new new york times or you know a, a more established subscription you know content platform um and yeah that to me is the interesting now segue for web3 and you know, the tokenized economy uh, and just changing the conversation beyond a monthly recurring revenue uh, or whichever uh, metric you're measuring into, you know, a way more, I mean, volatile, let's be honest, <laughs> but mm -hmm. equally, uh, you know, decentralized um, relationship with your reader or your viewer or your listener or, you know, your community ultimately yeah and that to yeah. me is is the fundamental philosophy of of web3 and blockchain and the uh you know even the architecture of these these communities uh new communities that are are establishing or existing communities that are implementing um and yeah it'll be great to sort of hear your thoughts on and i know you mentioned icos and that's definitely questionable times in blockchain's history rather i would go to ethics rather than aesthetics 
Um, <laughs> would be, <laughs> <They're handling. laughs> but it'll be great to get your thoughts. I mean, if you haven't looked, it's fine. But I'm, I'm, I assume you've you've been sort of uh, at least aware of what's happening oh, yes. uh, and really yeah. see if and where that might you know, be part of Arena's plans going forward. Yeah, I think for us, I don't, I don't know what it is particularly, but we've always, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the speculation that goes along with some of the, the, the crypto-based solutions are, is like something that makes us shy away from it. I think we are interested. What what we've been interested in for a couple of years is figuring out different corporate, a different corporate structure that makes more sense and is sort of, I guess the the legal version of being a little bit more decentralized, like being a co-op or something like that. In terms of, yeah, I feel like NFT at this point is like a dirty word. Like so many, I'm like having so many conversations about it. Like I, I even like hesitate to say the the acronym, but. I mean, this is not speaking as a, the spokesperson of Arena for for me personally, and having so many friends who have made uh, art on the internet for you know, fifteen years. I'm like, yeah, definitely. Like my friends who are still doing that and still killing it, they should get paid. Um, but I don't know if that that what is happening right now is necessarily uh, set up to be efficient for them. I think philosophically, I like, yeah, I definitely am interested in different economic models that are not just about sort of like a direct transactional relationship with someone. And I do like that this sort of, yeah, I think the way that you're sort of describing or, or painting this trajectory is, is totally correct. That like the idea of patronage I think is is like much more accepted and and in a sort of broader way, and that is definitely something to be optimistic for. Where it gets tricky is just where like patronage and speculation meet. You know what I mean? And I think we I would traditionally think of patronage as something that was sort of like maybe not a hundred percent altruistic, but like nearing the majority. And it's really hard to know where on that spectrum this current moment lies on. You know what I mean? Not necessarily. I'm talking more about NFTs than than Patreon or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's just that that that's just a result of people seeing the sort of like gold rush opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's the analogy right there. Yeah, this is Wild West. This is the internet in the '90s right now. And mm -hmm. you know, yeah. with everything that comes with it, the people selling the spades to dig the gold, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> that being normal. Yeah, it's 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 beyond a bull market. It's just a frenzy, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, if you can, you know, let that wash past you, over you. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, look at the fundamentals of mm -hmm. what it potentially could enable. Uh, and I'm not suggesting Arena should turn into an NFT marketplace. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'd subscribe by the many thousands. 
<laughs> but I am suggesting that yeah. there. I mean, I'm not actually suggesting anything. I'm not. To, you, yeah. I want to know about your story, but yeah, you know, the yeah. fundamentals of what you know the the the, the fundamental approach of what Web three is enabling actually uh, completely changes the relationship, as as I just said, and totally. the recognition and the reward of you know engagement and this is beyond engagement this is just mm -hmm. <laughs> coming back to love <laughs> you know just mm -hmm. support and passion and mm -hmm. just the, mm. the fabric of what makes uh, a great community and um and you know that's also precursor to our next report which is looking at community and would love to delve a little bit into your definition of community and you know our report series is called dirty words for a reason because these are words that mm. have lost all meaning um totally uh, yes. as influence has as exclusivity before it uh you know we touch authenticity um but the next one's community and would love to hear your you know your definition of of what of what community means to you we talk about these things in terms of making analogies for sort of like physical spaces that we could imagine you know like if you think about some of these places that you're describing in terms of what they would look like in the real world you know like is it a kind of place that you would want to be in every day the flip side of that is sort of like imagining a place where you do want to be every day and i as a as like a person who's like a a broker of physical spaces i'm sure this is something that you think about a lot but like yeah and then the other part of it i, I think as, as i said earlier to you before we started recording is like i'm on this sort of spectrum between like introvert and extrovert and i think everyone who works at arena is sort of like on the more introverted side so our our version of an ideal space is something like a, a, like a, a library with like lots of tables you know what i mean and if you think about like a place that is like a library with lots of tables where everyone is just kind of like has freedom to sort of work on their own stuff but also has their friends around them and can see like what they're working on and can be like you know oh i see you're looking at that you should definitely check this out you know this or that that sort of zone I'm, i feel like there's no way to describe this without being very surfery about it but um i think you need to to think about these things in, in terms of like what you want a place to feel like whether the place be virtual or physical um and i think the community emerges out of what a place what what the sort of like substrate uh, that they, that a community can form around feels like you know and i think that's why I, th I think that aspect and the fact that we've sort of grown slowly over a long period of time is why people on arena feel like quote-unquote community feels so strong or not i don't know strong is not the right word nurturing conducive to creative thought or I, I don't know i don't know the, the right way to describe it something that's interesting enough compelling enough to sort of stay actively involved in and it's definitely a kind of place that is like yeah it's more geared towards it's, it's geared towards a, a very specific type of person or or you know some i don't know how specific but some type of person um and i think those people are like very self-initiated and self-directed 
um, but also are like open-minded at the same time. But I think, I mean, I think the key to like, however we define community and however that has formed on an arena, the key comes from growing slowly. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as sustainable as it is without us having grown slowly over a period of time. Because there have been multiple stages in arenas history where there has been this sort of like tension between people who have been around longer and the sort of new group of people coming in, the sort of like locals only vibe. And because it grows so slowly, the, those groups are able to like realize, oh yeah, we're all, <laughs> we're like all friends and like we're all interested in the same thing. And then it all, you know, they all get connected and it's all great. Um, but if it were to go too fast, then it would be, you know, the AOL eternal September. I don't know if you know that term. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I feel that. And we, we talk about, I mean, this podcast is called Stories of Growth. And I, I run workshops called Rules of Growth. And on both, you know, I, I clarify the definition of growth through what we call good growth, you know, which in short is sustainable growth and balancing mm -hmm. progress and purpose and, you know, profit. You know, it's still going to make money, mm -hmm. but for the right reasons in the right way. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I fully subscribe to you know, everything you've just said. And <laughs> I mean, protein's running 20 years and you know, we're still small and still doing our thing. And, um, awesome. and yeah, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, but you know, there's still a lot to be learned from that uh, in terms mm -hmm. of, well, ultimately your, your definition of success and you know, why, <laughs> why you exist in the world and what does that actually, actually look like? Um, so no, re yeah, really good viewpoint. Uh, want to touch on just conscious of time, the, um, in this sort of still in this commercial category of brands and mm. sort of their role in creative industries, you know, creative platforms or creative communities and would be just good to get a read on your, I mean, arena's relationship with, with brands. Oh, uh, you mean like brands working together, that kind of thing? Yeah. And, you know, what is the role of brands in the creative space? And, you know, there's some great examples, positive in terms of, I mean, we talked about patronage, support, mm -hmm. you know, nurture, and, you know, it's a lot of brands doing it right. There's equally a lot of brands doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, just to really get your view on on really the brand's role uh, in in this sort of creative community. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have a good. I mean, we think about arenas like quote unquote brand as being something that is extremely open ended and is mostly defined by the people who are using arena. So in that sense, I feel like if I, I feel like the huge lesson that we've learned over the lifespan of arena is that when we pay attention to the people who are using it and the, the people who care most about it, whenever we put our focus on them, like apart from anything else, we always get good results um, or, or it always sort of like works out. So I think that lesson and relationship to what you're saying is like, or, or what you're asking about things will like opportunities to work with different companies will come up. 
And I think we only think about it in terms of like, will this be good for the people who are on arena? Like, like, is there a way to like give, like, is there a way that they can take something from this? You know what I mean? And not just like content, but something like tangible. And I think the last one of those, the last time that we had, uh, the last opportunity that we had that with that bid that bill was working with Space 10, where we did a, a residency program. And it was essentially just like over the course of a month, um, we had, uh, there was a digital online residency and the, the five people who were picked to do the residency did all their research on Arena. It was all public. So um, there are people who are, came from our community. Our community can see the, the research that they did. Um, there's all these sort of like ways in which it, it like feeds back into the, the community. And I mean, yeah, every time I say community, it is 100% a dirty word. I'm like, it doesn't mean anything, but it's just the shorthand for like the group of people who use Arena. Um, but I, yeah, I think that our rubric for, for like, at least in terms of arena of how to deal with brands is just like through the individual lens, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And we featured that, uh, collaboration actually in, in our influence report, uh, with space yeah. 10 and we know space 10 COVID has been on the show as well. Uh, oh, from, cool. um, I love him. yeah, those guys are big, equally big fans, uh, of what they've, what they've been up to and, you know, and continually totally. to be up to. And, uh, yeah, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's a collaboration, right? It's, it's a two way conversation versus a one way transaction, uh, which yeah. is certainly how we like to look at it. Um, a bit of a segue just so coming, uh, you know, pre arena and maybe even pre Parsons. Um, tell me a little bit more about the younger Charles, uh, in terms of upbringing or interests, passions, obsessions, influences, uh, you know, just keen to sort of dig into that a little. Sure. <laughs> I'm like the, I'm like a deeply like it's bad because I'm like deeply nostalgic about my own childhood in a way that is probably unhealthy so this is a really <laughs> dangerous territory for me um well so I think part of it that is relevant to this conversation is um my mom when I was younger uh when I was like you know eight to 18 was in grad school so I would go with her to school a lot when I wasn't in school, um, either in the library or the computer lab. So I've been on the internet since like the first, before the first web browsers and when there were the first web browsers, I would just be in the computer lab using So wait, what, what age were you there? Um, I guess 11 or 12. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm 38 now. Yeah, I, I I was on the internet when there were like you know 200 websites or something, and when like hacking in quotes was like just doing HTML. Um, I have a notebook from when I was that age that was just me handwriting HTML so I could like write it later on. Um, and I've had a website since I was probably like 13 or 14. 
my first website was called Welcome to Hell, and it was just links to hacker hacker websites. Um, and then I was really into skateboarding from like 13 to, I don't know, I probably, I mean, I still skate occasionally, but I'm way too old to do that. Um, physically too old. Mentally, you're still doing those kickflips, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it really rearranges your brain. Yeah, I definitely still think about it all the time. Um, but I think actually like being on the internet from an early age and being involved, like, like uh, being really interested in skateboarding, um, the culture of skateboarding and how, how like ruthless skateboarders can be about the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things is probably very deeply influential on me, you know, like the idea of like that trick is illegal you know like you cannot do that is like that is something that i can like very and like moments when someone can do it can do an illegal thing and like get away with it those are also things that are just like the terms in which i think in you know what i mean like there's a right way to do things and this is how it must be done (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love that analogy it's like it's life right (laughs) Uh about acceptable wrongs and yes like unacceptable (laughs) wrongs but wait where where are we like give me a place here in terms of that college that you Uh, were where you grew um, up i grew up i grew up in texas um in houston so my mom was going to First, she went to University of Houston, then she went to UT, the medical school was in Houston. And so those informative skateboarding, early Netscape browser world, like how, <laughs> what did that mean to you now in terms of that, uh, that grounding or that, uh, you know, I mean, influence in terms of your viewpoints or your, or your, you know, your next steps? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that part of being on the internet from an early age, and also being like a kid who has to just um, like make fun no matter what, is learning how to be deeply curious about lots of different things, um, and I think that's like a thing that we want to try and perpetuate in arena. You know, this idea that like, even though there's this sort of like excess of content and there's like a limitless amount of things that you could pay attention to, being curious and open-minded, like training that muscle makes you like, you you can literally never be bored because absolutely everything can be interesting. It's It's a quality that I think is like harder and harder to build your muscle for, you know what I mean? Like like as time goes on and as we're in like these very strange times, it's like, yeah, it's overwhelming. But I think that, yeah, reminding yourself that you can be interested in something and you can just like follow that interest as far as you could possibly want to take it is like, it's still an amazing thing. It will never not be amazing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I needed now more than ever in terms of, yeah, I mean, it's questioning, right? That the fundamental yeah. curiosity of just it's under understanding what it is and really questioning what else it could be. And yeah. um, uh, any brothers and sisters? Like, what was your sort of family setup? 
Uh, I have a brother who is 20 years younger than me. So we're essentially both only children. Yeah, he's like just, um, he's graduating high school now. He's like going to college next year. Wow. Very strange. Yeah. Okay. Um, And okay, this is, I mean, I always like to delve a little bit into uh you know some of the early experiences that usually help sort of shape and define future trajectories um but you know but uh, and you know and you touched on it earlier but where's so where's where's arena going and i mean and this is not about maybe success in a you know startup world this is you know charles's <laughs> viewpoint of growth uh, for arena and you know maybe it's sort of like we can round off this sort of chapter around you know what are the next steps for arena yeah yeah i think what we're really interested in what we're paying attention to right now is yeah like i said we're sort of deep in i would say we're past the exploration phase and more like practically figuring out next steps of what the corporate structure long term for arena looks like and this is something that is like uh incredibly time consuming and expensive so it's something that we really want to get right um so we're like there's like uh, yeah not to go too much on the tangent but there's like a ton of like interesting people who are thinking about this stuff right now this guy nathan schneider um these organization called Zebras Unite. Um, we participated in a workshop at the end of last year called Exit to Community, which is all about this sort of general conversation. So yeah, we're sort of committed to figuring that out within the next year or so. Um, and now we're sort of talking to people within closer arena community about what you know what outside perspectives on that looks like. And then in terms of products, I think it's the same thing as what the way I was talking about how we deal with brands. It's basically just like we pay deep attention to what people who are using Arena actively are, are really lacking for. And because we're so small, we we can't move as fast as like, you know, the expectations are like have to be very different. So I think we just try and prioritize like what people what the sort of pain points are highest at any given moment and focus on that while at the same time focusing on sort of more longer term things that we're interested in and an example of like a longer term thing that we're interested in is i think that people on arena once you start using it you get the sense that if you were to just be able to zoom out a little bit you could get this sort of a little bit broader of a perspective in terms of how information on arena is connected to what other people are doing um but design wise it's actually like a kind of a difficult problem because those things end up being more novelty than they are useful a lot of the times so figuring out ways in which we can illuminate sort of like the paths of rabbit holes that people take is something that we've been working on and are sort of more actively working on this year mm-hmm. um it's it's something i like i always like hesitate to talk about because we aren't we're not really close to like a solution but it's just something that we're really interested mm-hmm. in 
Um, but like everything for better or worse, like we're just really careful about it. <laughs> no, no, no. And, yeah. And, you know, that's where the passion comes uh, in terms of mm-hmm. a, the, obviously the deep and trusted relationships with your community, respected relationships with your community. Um, and you know, what not rolling out features for features sake and turning it into a Miro board, um, which personally yeah. I think I, I hate. <laughs> um, it's like, who invented that? Like, that's a product for the Zoom world. And yeah. no one needs, yeah. I mean, you don't need that. Um, I know. But yeah. I, I don't know. I'm still thinking about your library analogy, which I love uh, in the, the immediately defaulting to the definition of the community through a physical space to uh, you know to visualize that you know the feeling and that experience and you know and it's not obviously about us but the space that we have here that's exactly how we talk about it as a as a you know as a physical manifestation of our community but equally you it's really hard to describe it without actually being here in terms of the smell and just the the vibe and however you want to quantify the you know intangible um yeah. which is hard in a digital space without getting to you know virtual worlds and you know fancy 3ds uh which doesn't really sound like your guys vibe <laughs> um, <laughs> um charles i'm really conscious of time um and i've uh, yeah you've been very generous with it uh, so two final questions for you one is um uh the best way uh, for someone to contact you if they've got questions or follow-ups Sure, just my email, cab at arena, A-R-E Great. And final question, who, and you mentioned a couple of great names earlier, um, uh, who would you like to hear from on the show? Oh, wow. Oh, man, I wish you would have asked me this before because I feel like I always have a ton of people in my head. Annika Hanstein Azora. Um, it's someone that we just came into contact through from Arena, um, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like they're thinking about community in a way that's more along the lines of activism, um, which is something that, I don't know, yeah, it's a, it's a just like an interesting take, and I, yeah, I'd be curious to hear hear their thoughts Uh, i'm looking her up (laughs) okay cool i'll send you a link great charles thanks so much um good luck with the next steps for arena we'll be we'll be following it closely uh and uh yeah on your next steps of your yeah of your story thank you